Welcome to Eye on the Illini. This is Illini guy Mike Kegley here with Illini guy staff writer Matt Stevens. We are going to put together a little preview of the Purdue Boilermakers. This game, folks, is yet another biggest game of Brett Bielma's career. We have those a lot, but that means the, the, the team has been more successful than anybody really would have thought. But we're looking here at an opportunity for the uh, Boilermakers. Of course, the Cannon Trophy is um, up for grabs. And they have won uh, five of the past six Cannon Trophy games. And they have won five in a row at Champaign dating back to 2010. So this is an opportunity for the Illini to end another streak. And, you know, as, as hard as it is to believe... Um, you know, if they win, if the Boilermakers were to upset the Illini, uh, they would be bowl eligible for the fourth time in six seasons, and they would be tied atop the Big Ten West with a tiebreaker advantage. So there's a lot riding on this game. And uh, while the Boilermakers offense hasn't been as exciting, maybe as folks would have liked to have seen, um, their defense does rank 25th nationally in uh, third down uh, defense and um, 19th and fourth down defense. And their rushing defense is actually top 25, right at 25th as well. So those of you who's thinking this is going to be an easy game for the Illini, I'm not thinking that the Illini coaching staff would be saying the same thing coming off of a uh, rough offensive line and defensive line play of the Michigan State Spartans. In terms of the setup, Matt, you look at this game, you've obviously covered kind of a unique situation here. You've covered this game from both sets of sidelines. How do you kind of set this one up? Kind of a styles meets fights, Mike, um, in, in the sense of I, I do think that Jeff Brom knows that this game's going to be won through the air if they're going to win it. Um, I think they do run the football better than maybe any other time in Jeff Brom's era, maybe except for the year I covered him, which was 2018, because, you know, if, if, cause they kind of set up, they would set up the run with the pass that year with, with David Blau and uh, a couple of running backs that they really, really liked. And, and they kind of, uh, you know, would, would bleed out games via the run after they had thrown the ball all over the place. And um, that, it's kind of how this works, but they they have a couple of running backs um, that they really really like, but they 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 really don't have a whole lot of options. The one difference I think this team has has had before is they've they've had a Rondell Moore or they've had a David Bell, and they don't have that many options on the outside this year in terms of playmaking wide receivers, which is a difference. Um, but they lost their their primary recruiter in that regard, Jamarcus Shepard, to Washington a few years ago, and and they haven't really been able to replace that type of talent deficiency. The only time they've been able to really def, uh, replace it was with Aiden O'Connell's best friend, childhood best friend, and that's Charlie Jones, and he's their one guy. Um, their second their, their second highest target um, player is is Payne Durham, their tight end. Um, and that's not a normal thing for a Jeff Brom offense. Um, and so 
I think they still feel like they have to win the game via the via the pass to probably set up the run because I don't think their offensive line is set up to really manhandle Illinois' front. Um, but I think that this game will get won and lost by – it's an interesting quarterback battle because I think a lot of people are – you know, at the start of the year would have easily handed the uh, the the edge there to, to Aiden O'Connell. Um, and he's done nothing I, when he's been healthy to let you know that, you know, he doesn't deserve that type of accolade. I think this year he's kind of actually turned me around on the idea that he might be able to play in the three-letter league, at least as a backup. But Tommy DeVito has closed that gap. And I think that, you know, when he's been healthy, he's closed that gap. And um, so it'll be an interesting matchup between the quarterbacks, but, but from a defensive standpoint, this is another year in which Jeff Brom has another new defensive coordinator in Ron English, who's very familiar with the big 10 because he spent yeah. so many years on Lloyd Carr's staff at Michigan. But, um, this is not, you know, they don't have a George Karloftis, Jan, his little brother, Yanni's still there, but George is not there. They don't have a Lorenzo Neal. They don't have um, some of the playmakers that they've had in the back, especially at secondary. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, defensively, I think Illinois feels like that they might be able to move the football a little bit more effectively than they have the last couple of weeks um, against a Nebraska defense and a Michigan State defense. And if that's the case, with this game being at home, I, I do think that the, the point spread bears true that Illinois should win the football game. But if they play like they did, as I've said before, on Saturday against Michigan State, they'll they'll lose every game that's left on their schedule, including this one. So Illinois' defense, I'm going to rattle some stats off because mm -hmm. I've never been able to do this in my life before. So Illinois' defense is first in scoring defense at 10.4 points a game, first in total defense in terms of yards, 232, First in passing efficiency defense at 84.09. First in interceptions with 16. First in first downs with 113. First in passing touchdowns allowed. Five. First in passing defense, 152. Uh, second in touchdowns allowed, nine. Second in passes defended, 64. I'm getting there, folks. Second in yards per pass attempt, 5.2. Second in fourth down conversions against, 3. Third in takeaways, 22. Third in third down defense, 25.6%. Third in third down conversions against, 31. Third in rushing touchdowns allowed, 4. And think about it, folks. We've seen games that the Illini have allowed four defensive rushing touchdowns. And, you know, so it's pretty amazing here. Um, third and fewest red zone attempts allowed, third, 17. Third and red zone touchdown percentage, 35.3. Fourth and rushing defense, 79.7. .7. Fifth in yards per rush at 2.86. Sixth in tackles for loss, yards, uh, 300. Ninth in fourth down defense at 30%, ninth in red zone defense, 70.6%, and ninth in sack yards at 190. It's ranked third in the nation by ESPN's SP plus metric and fourth by PFF. Mm -hmm. So they're pretty good. Yeah. I, I mean, th this is this is a is, is a very good defense. 
we can get into the battle, and I'll be honest with you, I, I don't, I'm not interested in this battle. We can get into the battle, well, the Big Ten West isn't that good, or Illinois hasn't played good offenses. I, I, I you know, when the players get control of who, who they get a schedule, I'll worry about that. But right now, the Illini defense has showed up ready to play and put the numbers on the board. Can this, and to me, this seems to be the question, can this Purdue offensive line, which I think we can fairly say does a decent job of pass blocking, Mm -hmm. can they keep the fighting Illini off of O'Connell long enough for the Purdue receivers to get that separation that they need you know, against the Illini defensive backs. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting. I think that, uh, Mike, I do think that this, this is the most dynamic play caller that this Illinois defense has seen in Jeff Brown. And I think that the reason I feel that way is because he, he really has no conscience about throwing the ball vertically down the field, no matter what, is around him from a talent, you know, what he's been inherited or, or brings to the ballpark in a t- with a talent standpoint. Right. Um, I mean, Aiden O'Connell is a former, you know, sixth on the depth chart walk on at Purdue, you know, Charlie Jones is somebody who nobody thought was going to make an impact in the big 10, whether it was at Iowa or at Purdue. Payne Durham was somebody who I think when I was covering the team, he was like the third tight end on the team. Um, and, you know, actually behind former Illini All-American Mike Hopkins' son, Bryce Hopkins, who's in who's in the NFL now. Um, Jeff does a really good job of putting star athletes around his quarterback, whether that's been David Blau, whether that's been Elijah Sindelar, or now it's, um, you know, uh, Aiden O'Connell. Um, so I, but I, no matter what, Jeff has thrown the ball down the field, you know, and gotten really frustrated when his quarterbacks don't trust the system enough to throw the ball down the field. He's been forced with Aiden O'Connell to dink and dunk a little bit more simply because they just don't have the athletes to do it. Um, but that's not to say that he's not dynamic. There, there, there's a trick play element to what Jeff and Brian Brom do um, that I think Illinois' defense needs to be prepared for. Uh, and you saw last week that you know the Michigan State offensive coaches used Ryan Walters' aggressiveness against himself with some of the screen yep. stuff with some of the with, with some of the stuff that they would do when Ryan chose to blitz. And so I do think that a dynamic play caller like Jeff Brom is is set up to have some success if Ryan Walters can't get home Ryan Walters guys can't get home on a blitz. Um Illinois you read off all of those statistics. The Achilles heel of the Illinois defense that I have found is that I think they're somewhere tied for like 76th in the country and allowing plays of 30 yards or more. So they give up big plays. Like, yep. and I think that if you're Ryan Walters and if you're Brett Bielema and you're Kevin Kane and who, who really are the three guys that have a huge say in how this defense is owned and operated, um, you're willing to make that bet because you think you're going to be able to make plays and get off the field more often than you're going to be able to make big plays on the other, on the other side of the ball. Um, but if Purdue can make some of those big plays and get out to an early lead, I think this could be an interesting ball game for 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 the home team. So um, I, I do think that, you know, Purdue is going to need a dynamic, I would say, playmaker or or athlete on the outside to somehow make a difference for them. I, and I, and I because I, I do think that 
while Illinois doesn't typically like doing this, uh, I do think that they're going to put a lot of emphasis on the idea that, um, you know, Charlie, Charlie Jones is going to be, see a lot of Devin Witherspoon. And yep. I don't think Illinois likes to do it that way. I think they like to kind of do it organically. Um, but you don't know if Taz Richards, Taz Nicholson's going to play. I don't care what Brett Bielema says. You don't know if um, uh, Nicholson's going to play. Um, you, you you don't know if Ter- Terrell Jennings is going to play. And so you're you're kind of thin at the corner position, short of Spoon and Quan Martin. Who could, who yep. could fill in a little bit in that regard? So Purdue's going to have to rely, you know, on guys, you know, like a TJ Sheffield, a Marshawn Rice, who are older guys that were brought in by, um, you know, you know, the old wide receiver coach who's now at Washington. Now these these guys are older guys, and and they need to step up and make some plays for, and help Aiden O'Connell out. If they can do that, I think Purdue walks away with a victory. If they don't find that third element beyond Charlie Jones and Payne Durham, then, then I, I think that Illinois is exactly doing is, is going to make Purdue do exactly what they want, which is play one dimensionally. And I think that they feel like they can win the ball game that way. Even if that dimension is Aiden O'Connell throwing the football and, and because if they, they feel like they can, they can take one option away from them permanently, then they can just peer, pin their ears back. And you saw last week, and quite frankly, you've seen the last two weeks because you saw Jimmy Leonard over at Wisconsin pretty much take Aiden O'Connell out of that game because they could just at some point they got a lead. They pinned their ears back and and made life a living hell for him. Phil Parker at Iowa got a lead. They attacked the quarterback and, and made Aiden O'Connell's life a living hell. And they they were pretty was only able to score three points. Um, so in a sense, it's a very, very interesting chess game because I think Michigan State exposed Illinois' defense for some things that they hadn't seen maybe all year, if not a long time. But I also think that Purdue has seen two defenses that have has exposed their offense for being one-dimensional, and if they are continue to be one-dimensional, they they won't have a whole lot of success in Champaign. Yeah, and, and I also think, um, you know, O'Connell is not the most durable. I mean, I'm not saying he's – you know, he's, he's, you know, afraid of contact. He's one of the, tough, I mean, one of the tougher quarterbacks in the big 10. I, I just, I just don't think he's very mobile. Right. And, and, and about. then when you're not very mobile, you take hard hits and then mm-hmm. your durability comes into question. Mm-hmm. So I, I would think that if Illinois can put the pressure on him, um, you know, they can, they can kind of pull a 1985 Chicago bear and, you know, get, uh, get the opposing quarterback starter out of the game and, and well, and yeah. And, backup, Scott. and you've seen that, like they did it against Nebraska. They, yep. they, they, they did it against, uh, you know, they did, they basically tried to do it against Virginia and Brennan Armstrong just stayed in the whole game. Right. Um, right. You've seen that. You've seen him do that a couple of, you saw it again. You saw they knock out Tanner Morgan, you know, right. in Champaign against um, Minnesota. Um, so, yeah, I mean, knocking the quarterback out is, I, I don't say it's 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 there's no um there's no there's no price on Aiden McConnell O'Connell's head via you know the the right the exactly scandal like th- that's not how Ryan o- Walters operates right. but he has seen it work where you in, in Big Ten West play where if I knock out the opposing quarterback um suddenly now they they, they just don't score right and so um and you will see that. Because you saw Aiden O'Connell miss a game this year, 
and I, um, you know, they they got extremely lucky to beat a bad FAU team without Aiden O'Connell um, at home. And and so if you if you don't see him play at any point in this game, um, then I think Purdue is in serious serious trouble because they don't have a physicality dynamic to their offense that allows them to flip that switch and then just hand the ball off, you know, to whoever it is, it's going to be in that backfield. Let it, if, if it's Devin Mockaby or if it's King Daru, who, if he's healthy enough to go, um, Daru has been their starting tailback when he's been healthy enough to go. He's a better athlete than Devin Mockaby is. Mockaby is a more physically gift, not, not say physically gifted runner, a physically intimidating runner. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a homeless man's version of what Chase Brown and Josh McCray are when they are healthy. So at Purdue, again, because Jeff Brown just doesn't have any conscience about having a balanced offense. Um, he's from, I won't say it's not air raid. Okay. But it's, it's from the Mike Leach school of yards or yards. I really don't care how we get them. Right. And so, um, so yeah, this, this offense rises and sets with Aiden O'Connell and he is the he is the pivot point. And so if he has an excellent day, then Illinois is in trouble. If he does, if he has an average day, I think Illinois can, can get away with a win. Yeah. The other thing I was, was thinking is when we flip it and we look at the uh, Purdue defense, that's going to have to stop Illinois, which, which still is a rushing offense, but, but has that nice capabilities of, uh, passing um thanks to Tommy DeVito but if you look at Caleb Johnson you know ended up with 200 yards rushing against mm-hmm. um uh against Purdue and if you really look at his stats for the year um you know realistically speaking you know the he's got 553 yards in in nine games and then you know basically he's got 353 yards in eight games and 200 in one game. So they made a guy who's a, who's a a solid freshman running back look like Herschel Walker. Um, Are they going to be able to slow down Chase Brown Heisman trophy candidate? I don't see it. Um, And and it's simply because from, again, from a physicality standpoint, Everything that Purdue does that's really, really good is in the back. You know, Corey Trice is is probably a guy that could get drafted. He's he's, he's he basically plays the position that Quan Martin plays in Illinois' defense um, for Purdue. So that's that safety corner type of deal. Um, they have one of the best, I think, corners in in the country in Cam Allen when he's fully, fully healthy. Um, I think he's a he's a potential NFL guy. They, but everybody up front, um, look, Purdue's defense worked last year because you had to send at least two guys, maybe even three, um, you know, at a certain pass rusher who went in the first round of the, of last year's right, draft, right? right. And you saw it last year when when Bart Miller sent the left tackle Luke Ford and Chase Brown and or Josh McCray to to try to block. George Karloftis and, and so that he could stay off of Brandon Peters. Um, I don't necessarily see anybody in that front. I don't see necessarily anybody in that second level that should scare um, Illinois from trying to do what they want to do offensively. I, 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 I go back to the first 
Um, you know, the first road test that Nebraska had under interim head coach Rick Mickey Joseph and, quite frankly, offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, um, they were able to pretty much do anything that they wanted to do from an offensive standpoint against Purdue. And it was a, basically a matter of who had the ball last, and Purdue had the ball last, so they won. Right. And 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 Jeff Brom knows that they can't win that way. And so um, I do think that Chase Brown's going to have a big day. I really, really do for no other reason than I just, I don't think this offensive line is going to allow themselves to have two below average games. Like they, you know, like they did on last Saturday against Michigan state. I think this group's got a little bit too much pride in it. Um, This might be the last game at Memorial stadium for a lot of these guys, because it is senior day. Um, We know it's the last game for Paucho and pill Um, pill needs to have a response to what happened last weekend um, especially on the interior of the offensive line. And this could be the last time that you see Chase Brown in an Illini uniform at home. So I, I think that there's an, there's an opportunity there for Chase to have a highlight-type performance. Um, and, and there's been a lot of attention on Chase Brown this week. You know, I just – I got done – Thursday afternoon, I just got home Thursday afternoon, you know, watching Memorial Stadium get set up for their, you know, he and his twin brothers, Good Morning America interview that's that's going to be on. Um, he needs to put together, I mean, I, I don't think there's any way Chase Brown doesn't get 100 yards again. Quoting Brett Bielema, that's what we do, right? Yeah. Um, but I do think there's a potential for a special performance that could get him to at least Atlanta for, for the Doak Walker finalists um, and, and potentially have that type of performance leading into what could be a pretty special, you know, big 10 matchup the following week when Illinois travels to Ann Arbor for, to Michigan uh, to play Michigan. So um, look, this isn't complicated. Chase Brown has to play well and the offensive line has to play well for Illinois to have success on Saturday. But I do think that they're, they're coming off a performance in which they're not satisfied with what they showed and they're, I think that they're playing in, 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 in a bit of irony because I thought Michigan State was so um, undermanned because of the suspensions following the, the incident that happened in the Michigan Stadium Tunnel. I do think that Purdue is in a similar state up front that I think Illinois should and could be able to take advantage of. Yeah, and you keep thinking, you know, this, this if you, you know, not this is not an attack on Caleb Johnson, but if he's getting 200 yards against this, this mm-hmm. uh, defense, you know, you could one could make a case that if if Chase Brown ripped off three hundred yard, you know, game, you you could say I'm not surprised. Um, not Jeff Brown has been hinting all year long that there's something wrong with this Purdue defense, um, and whether it's just they're too young, they're undermanned, whatever it is. And I think the fact that Iowa finally exploded for what would be an offensive explosion in Iowa city, yeah, considering all yeah. explosion in Iowa city kind of basically sent the last red flag up into the air for everybody that this Purdue defense has a lot of problems. And, well, and maybe Brian Ferens will get a extension off of that. Well, yeah. Or, or, you know, the last <laughs> name will help him out as it always has. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there's a there's a sense that there's something severely going on there. Ron English is a really, really good defensive coach. Uh, I, I tend to believe it's because these guys are really, really young up front because mm-hmm. Ron English's background is a D-line coach anyway. So I think that I think that they'll be good. I mean, Yanni's a sophomore, you know, right. uh, you know, George's little brother. So 
there's a couple of years here where Purdue could have a pretty good front and front front seven here, but it's it's not right now. And, and because Purdue doesn't usually portal very well, um, Purdue doesn't really have an NIL program. They weren't prepared for that um, coming through the pipe. Um, you know, they, they kind of have to be a developmental program and, and Jeff Brown will fully admit that. And, and, and the problem with Purdue this year is as good as Charlie Jones is and as good as Aiden O'Connell is, they do not have a Rondell Moore and they do not have a David Bell that changes the dynamic of a football game at the snap of a finger. And that's, that's something that Jeff Brown has had to scheme around all year long and done an excellent job of doing it because I do think the boilers are going to go bowling again. But I do think that there's a reason why Illinois is favored, and it might just be because, especially on defense, they have better athletes. But there's there's a dynamic athlete wearing number one that I think is is what Illinois believes is a poor man's version of Rondell Moore, who might be the most dynamic athlete on the field. Yeah, and of course, David Bell and Rondell Moore wrapped up together was what Charlie Jones was last year for Iowa against Illinois. So let's hope, let's hope he doesn't get loose. And I think that'll be an excellent matchup to watch, uh, you know, watch Witherspoon go up Mm -hmm. against him. You know, if you're a fan of, of good football, it's fun to watch good players go head to head. And it's not that often we get a chance to see that. So, um, but we have seen, um, you know, uh, Witherspoon and company literally eliminate, um, you know, wide receivers. I, I look at, um, uh, you know, the Nebraska wide receiver, um, mm-hmm. Trey, and now I'm blanking on his last name. Trey Palmer. Trey Palmer. Yeah. I want to call him Trey Parker, but we're not talking, we're not talking, we're talking to, South Park. Yeah. We're not talking to reverent cartoons. Um, and, and you know, he, you know, they took a player who was leading that time was at the top of the big 10 and, and, Seven, seven. Yeah, targets, you don't want to use. You don't want to use Sorry, but you don't want to use yeah. transitive property here. Exactly, but, it doesn't work. But yeah. okay, Nebraska plays Illinois, and Trey Palmer has one catch for one yard. Yep. Week before, Trey Palmer was in West Lafayette. And he had over two hundred yards, and and had Matt Millen basically orgasmic or get orgasmically calling every one of his catches because it was just an unbelievable athletic performance. Um, right. And so I, I feel like, you know, the, again, if there were red flags that were being sent up, it was that Mark Ripple was able to dial up whatever he wanted at Nebraska and, and get huge chunks of yards. Well, may, maybe we'll see. Um, we'll see uh, Williams get 200 yards receiving. You know, we'll get Chase Brown with 300 yards rushing, have one of those 700-yard explosions against the, the – the I mean, I don't think maker. it's out of the question that Tommy DeVito plays – up to you know on saturday only the only reason i say that is because i know that he has felt this chip on his shoulder that he doesn't think he's going to get an all big 10 selection at quarterback and he thinks that that's a load of crap like and so and so i i do think that when you match him up against an aiden o'connell um you know that's that's going to be an interesting deal for him like when he goes and and you've seen it before in 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 i mean this isn't a hostile environment this is at home this is the least hostile environment i was going to see a senior day at home right but when you get him in a situation where you know everybody is going to spotlight him versus aiden o'connell even if that's really not fair because they're never on the field at the same time right. but you get my point um, I think that I think that Tommy plays really well when he has a chip on his shoulder. He he played really well at Wisconsin. He played really well at Nebraska. And he was he was, you know, 
pretty darn intent on letting everybody know I'm better than Graham Mertz and I'm better than Casey Thompson. Um, and you know, when they played Virginia, I'm better than I'm better than Brennan Thompson. Right. And, and so, um, you know, I, I think, or Brennan Armstrong, I'm sorry, but like there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a dynamic there that, that, um, you know, there's, there's that Jersey dynamic to Tommy that if you put a chip on that shoulder, he tends to play better. You know, he, he wanted everybody to know that, yeah, I'm not a hundred percent, but I'm going to play better than Tanner Morgan today, you know? And yep. so there's, a, there's an idea here that I think that, that Tommy could raise his game to another level this Saturday, simply because of the other guy that's on the field who plays his position. And so um, that's definitely in the cards for Illinois. Um, if the weather holds up and, and, you know, uh, you know, uh, Barry Lenny Jr. starts to feel a little bit better about the athletes that he has on the outside because Illinois is also very thin there too. Um, what what are we looking at? Because kicking game it was problematic for the Illini, particularly the punting game, uh, and 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 kickoff return was, you know, that was just mystifying to me as a fan, uh, as somebody who got stuck, you know, returning kicks as as a kid. You know, in that kind of wind, growing up in Muhammad, you learned that you 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 move forward. Um, so there there was some there were some strange things going on from a special team standpoint. Um, will will these will they get straightened out? And how does Purdue's team compare? I think there's an next. Okay, let's let me let me address punting. Um, Hugh Robertson's got to be good. And look. They've won seven games, Mike. Yep, okay? exactly. And in those seven games, he's been pretty good. Yep. And in the two losses, he's been really, really bad. <laughs> you know, really, really bad. So you put Hugh in that type of environment. I don't think it's going to gust as bad as it was against Michigan State, but I do think it's going to be as cold. And so I do think that there's an element of pregame warm-ups that Hugh Robertson needs to not – I won't say take seriously, but – I almost think it's the other way around. Don't get so intimidated by what your kick looks like in pregame warmups. Um, just do the best you can, right? And I think that he almost mentally got himself psyched out in pregame warmups. I saw the first punt that he had, and it went 25 yards, and it was directly into the wind, right? Well, well, yeah, it was going to go 25 yards. That's, That's actually pretty good at some days it, at Memorial Stadium. Yeah, it's gusting 40 miles an hour in your face. Like, that ball's going to go I – mean, but I think it psyched him out. And I think yeah. that that led to what you saw. The kickoff return, I just think you're going to see different personnel. I don't think you're going to see Peyton Viding back there. I do think you're going to see per different personnel back there. I'm not exactly sure who it's going to be, but I do think it's going to be different personnel. I also think there's an execution element to, um, hey, why weren't we – there are a lot of Illinois fans like, hey, why weren't we moving the, the kick returners up and then catching the ball at like the 10, right? And the whole idea there, and I, I truly believe this, is that they almost they're, they're taught, hey, let the ball go out of bounds. And oh, by the way, if the ball, if you need to help the ball go out of bounds, bat the ball out of bounds. Because if you do that, like, guess what? Like, that's out of bounds, and we get the ball in the forty. Like, I mean, that's 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 football one on one with Brett Bielema, right? I mean, so the problem was is that like not only was the wind weird, but they were like you saw with Isaiah and the punt returning too. They were taking weird bounces too, and they they yeah. the ball's supposed to go out of bounds here, and it's. I don't mean to like quote Barry Lunny, but that's kind of the reason the way the ball is shaped like it is. It's kind of weird, right? And so um, I just think that Sean Snyder can get with his guys. I mean, and, and it's not just Sean. Like in terms of punt returning, 
there's a whole bunch of assistants that help with this, right? I mean, George, George, uh, uh, George McDonald is part of this punt return team and kick return team. And there's a whole bunch of other guys that are part of this, you know, Corey Patterson's part of this, all, all this kind of, all these guys have a hand in special teams, um, in that regard, um, from a specialist standpoint, um, if it's cold, uh, here's, here's the good news. If you're an Illinois fan, um, Caleb Griffin's got a big leg and I think he's healthy. And so what, what that does again, is it sets up the dynamic that, you know, if Brett feels good with Caleb and it's not 20 miles an hour in my face, like they're going to be okay with Caleb Griffin, maybe attempting a 50 yard field goal. Right. And so um, that could be an element that is in Illinois favor is that, Hey, we've got a kicker that has the dynamic to kick a long field goal in this cold weather and feel good about it. And so um, I do think you're going to need a big special teams effort to win this football game. Uh, and I, and I do think that the good news also is that from a field position standpoint, and I want to make this very clear to everybody and it, and like, like it was in my film review for, uh, for, uh, lineiguys.com in terms of punt return, you should feel good about having Isaiah back there because I talked with Isaiah for about three minutes total, um, after the game on Saturday, he did exactly what he's taught as a punt returner. You put your heels on the 10 yard line. If the ball goes up and over your head, yep. you let it go up and over your head. Right. And exactly. And, and that's, that's what Isaiah, you know, and Isaiah has not really been in that punt return position. Remember last year it was, it was still Donnie Navarro kind of doing it. Um, and Brett was kind of antsy about letting Isaiah do it more often than not. Cause he was trying to re- reduce injury. Right. Um, yeah. But Isaiah's doing it now, and I think I think there's a potential somewhere, somehow down the road before the end of the year that Isaiah's going to make a big play on special teams. I, I just do. I think he's getting more and more comfortable with that element of his game. Um, and in the way that he can break tackles and the way that he can show his athleticism in the open field that you've already seen, um, that is that is made for punt return. And, and if he can get one where it's a line drive and – Produce punt return team isn't very, you know, isn't as good as, as you've seen before. You could see the dynamic of a big return for Illinois because Brett Bielema was going to allow for that possibility because he knows how big special teams is going to be, especially in the month of November when cold weather seems to dominate. And if you can get good field position, boy, howdy, does it help you? Yeah, we're looking at, uh, you know, of course it's a couple days out yet, but they're predicting 38 degrees with the 10 to 20 mile an hour wind out of the West. One so. of the things one of the things we heard on Thursday, Mike, was that usually on Friday during the walkthrough, they're in the they're in the indoor facility. Um, Brett Bielema kind of handed, hey, we might go outside on Friday just because I want my guys to kind of feel because we it's funny. They've been practicing Monday through Thursday, right, in 70 mm-hmm. degree weather because right. it's East Central Illinois. Yeah, it's, exactly. yeah, it's um, he might take them outside and go, Hey, it's 35 out here. I want you guys used to this. Right. And so that's another, I, we've, we've talked about it before kegs. That's another Belichickian thing of, I don't want to show up on Saturday and have this be a completely new element for you guys. Um, that would be a mistake on my part as the head coach and as the guy that's supposed to get you prepared for, for, for everything possible. Um, you, you could see that being something of Illinois advantage come Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I used to hate Saturday morning practices when coaches would go out there and try to sell you on how fun it is to get stretched out while you're on the dew ground <laughs> and it's it's like 36 degrees and 
you're hearing all about your character. And I'm like, well, I don't want as much character. I got enough character. <laughs> um, so we've got it. We've got it. You kind of set up each of the three things. What are you seeing for a score, you know, and, and who do you think is going to win? I do think it's going to be a lower score because it's going to be colder. I do, I do think that Illinois is going to, if Illinois wins, I think that you're going to see a limited possession type of game. I do think Illinois wants to bleed the clock. They want to run the football. They want to keep their defense off the field as much as possible. Um, if you see a higher scoring game, if you see the the over in play, I think that that means Purdue's hit some big plays. Aiden O'Connell's had a big day, and that, that's the kind of that's kind of the the formula where Jeff Brom thinks he can come away with from Champagne with a win. So again, styles make fights, Mike. So a lower score I think helps Illinois. A shootout. You know, I said this too. I, here's the weird thing, Mike. I said when they when they played Minnesota, I didn't think Illinois could win a shootout. Turns out they can score enough points to beat Minnesota, right? I said that if they go to Wisconsin and it's a shootout, Illinois is in deep trouble. Um, turns out Illinois scored 34 points in Madison, Wisconsin on that. Yeah, they were the only, the only team game. that brought a gun, yeah. Right, exactly. So – you know, I, I do again. This is another element where I do feel like a lower score helps Illinois, but this could be a game where Tommy DeVito says, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna score enough points because I, I we, because I've got to get my guys prepared for the idea that we can win a shootout. We're not dead in the water if if Purdue scoring points too. So, um, you know, I I do think that you know again, um, you know, as cliche as this sounds, I do think Illinois' first offensive drive is going to tell you a lot. Because it told you a lot on Saturday, which was they got all the way down to the two-yard line and couldn't couldn't push it in. If Illinois can somehow get points early on in this football game, um, that's going to make it a lot easier for Illinois' defense to settle in and potentially put together a, a game where somewhere in the neighborhood of 24 to 28 points could win yep. this for the Illini and, and make them feel good about that. Um I, I think if if it gets into the 30s, then Jeff Brom's done exactly what he wants to do and, and could potentially steal this one. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, – I give the Illini the, the um, tip here. And unfortunately, you know, I do it more because of the uh, defense and the way they play. Not that the offense is something that – I mean, it's much, much improved over last year. But that lack of reliability in the red zone, to be honest, it reminds me of Jason Garrett when he coached the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, they were the they they looked great. Their red zone stats looked pretty good because they were scoring field goals. And then when you pulled it out and compared them versus other teams in the red zone scoring touchdowns, that stat went right down the toilet. And and so I felt like we've had that issue, um, and certainly watching them against Michigan State, in which we had two previews that week and two Michigan State um, media thought that the one thing that that the Michigan State defense had an, a big advantage was, was the defensive tackles versus the guard center guards of the U of I. And then to see so to see those guys have a rough game and then also the 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 dogged determination to run up the middle where they were having a rough game against some pretty good defensive tackles was indeed frustrating. So we'll, we'll see, you know, it'd be nice. It would be nice to see the Illini go into that red zone and score one 
and give themselves a, a boost of confidence early in the game. Well, what you're going to want to see there, Mike Cagley, is, look, I mean, everybody sees it. Like, you see it on television. Okay, that line is the line of scrimmage, right? Yep. Like, they're going to show you on television, right? If you see Illinois' offensive line going past that line in, in, a, in a positive direction, okay, that's called changing the line of scrimmage when coaches talk about that, right? Last Saturday, Alex Pilstrom, uh, I would say Isaiah Adams, and I would also say Julian Pearl, even at left tackle, okay, got blown up and got, got knocked on their butt two or three yards backwards consistently. And that cannot happen. I mean, not, yeah. not in any game, let alone this game. So if you are seeing Purdue defensive linemen on their heels um, and you're seeing, you know, offensive linemen basically kind of going forward a yard and a half to that line that's on your TV, that's a really good thing for the U of I. That means yep. Chase, that means Chase Brown's, going to probably get at least four yards per carry. And he's probably going to break it in the second half when, when they're the will to live of Purdue's defense dies. Similarly to what happened in Madison, Wisconsin, when he was finally able to break that big one. Right. Um, yep. So I, I think that, you know, I can't say it any better than Brett Bielema said it on Saturday night after the loss, we have to be able to run it in. Okay. And, and there are, there are times where Barry Lunny draws up stuff, Mike, where they should be able to walk into the end zone if it's properly blocked. It just wasn't properly blocked on Saturday. And if and if they get adequate blocking on Saturday, I think against this this front that, that Purdue is going to put in front of them, um, then Illinois is going to have a big day on the ground. Um, and, I, and I do think that not only could it be Chase Brown, but I do think it could be a secondary guy too. I think you could see Reggie Love have a big, big you know, some big plays. If he's healthy, you could see Josh McCray finally break out because, you know, the last time we saw Josh McCray against Purdue, he's going for 150 in in, yep. in, in Ross Eight Stadium in West Lafayette. Um, and so, you know, Josh is kind of a funny kid, you know, and he's a funny 19-year-old. He may see that Purdue uniform again and think, oh, I've done this before, like, and just run – run right through them to quote Nick Saban, like, you know what, through a tin horn. Um, yep. That could be the thing that just kind of snapped your finger and Josh McCray's back. Right. Um, so I don't know, but I do think that Illinois has the advantage at the line of scrimmage on offense. And I think they have the the advantage at the line of scrimmage on defense. Um, that the, 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 the tipping point of this game is that if Aiden O'Connell is an NFL draft pick and, and a pretty high one, then he'll have a big day and he'll be the one that can steal this one for Purdue. And it's not out of the realm of possibility for that to happen. Well, Chase Brown's, you know, leading the nation 1,344 yep. yards. He's also, um, he's also uh, highly ranked there in terms of uh, yards uh, after the, uh, after being hit with over 700 yards, which I think puts him fourth in that category. So, you know, ultimately we will, I guess, yards after contact, he's at 756, which is fourth in the nation. So what what Matt's, you know, saying is, is if, if the first time that, that he gets hit is two yards in his own backfield, that's not as good a situation if it's two yards past the line of scrimmage uh, that he gets hit for the first time or you know, four let's yards. Call, let's call a spade a spade here, Mike, as we wrap up here. This offensive line was nominated for the Joe Moore Award, 
which this is the first time in program history that an Illinois offensive line has been nominated for that award, which goes to the nation's best offensive uh, five guys, an offensive line. It's, it's one of the, I feel like one of the last, you know, group team awards that's in sports, especially in, in, in college, in college sports. Um, if, if that has any merit and it wasn't a complete fraud that, that, that was, perpetrated on all of us after what Illinois had done, you know, through this six game winning streak and all of that. Right. Yep. If that, if that is legit, then Illinois should be able to physically be able to plow their way through a victory on Saturday because that offensive line, you know, is, is, has been nominated as one of the best in the country and therefore one of the best in the league. And you've seen when like an Iowa, which also has an offensive line nominated for that award and a Wisconsin, who's also has an offensive line nominated for that award gets, gets their hands on this Purdue defensive front. Good things have happened for those teams. And it's, it's resulted in Purdue's two game losing streak. Um, If Illinois is going to win this football game, it has to, it has to be a third game in a row for Purdue in that regard. And, and that, that has to be the way that Illinois wins this football game. So um, let's call a spade a spade. If Illinois offensive line is as good as advertised, th- then they'll push Purdue around and, and you'll get, you'll start to see rushing touchdowns in the red zone by Chase Brown or whoever it is that has the football. Yeah. That, that, let's close on that, Mark. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a good point to close on. We'll hope we see that uh, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, I on the Illini is one of three Illini Guys podcasts. You have Keds Recruiting Roundup, and you have Sturdy for 30 from Brad Sturdy. Um, Brad just released one last night that uh, was talking about signing day for the two basketball programs, both men's and women's, at University of Illinois. Of course, we have the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Go to IlliniGuys.com, hit the radio button. Take a look at all the stations that have the show on. It is a once a week, two hour show. Find out what day and what time it is on nearest you. Call up the station and thank them for broadcasting us. We would appreciate that. And finally, IlliniGuys.com is where you can read everything that Matt has to write about. And um, membership there is $99 a year you get to go ahead and kick the tires for seven days until you get charged. I would highly encourage you to do that. And it is a lot of fun, particularly in that first seven days, go back into the message boards or the forums, check out the football message board, check out the basketball message board, have some fun back there. There's a lot of Illini fans. And also you can bump into people like Ked, Brad, Matt, And it's a lot of fun back there to kind of hear some of the things that don't qualify to be stories because some of the sources do not want to be identified. But nonetheless, watching the sausage being made has its moments. So with that, I'm Illini guy Mike Kegley, and I thank Illini guy staff writer Matt Stevens. And we will talk to you tomorrow night after the basketball team plays. Go Illini!